Welcome to the Sing Better Fast podcast, the podcast exclusively for serious and passionate vocalists. You are now part of a professional group of smart and motivated singers who want to become masters of the voice and inspire millions with our music. Get all of our podcast episodes, notifications for upcoming events, new podcast releases, and other vocal resources at singbetterfast.com. Now here are your hosts, Jamie Vendera and Ben Valen. Well, hey, we're on the Sing Better Fast podcast. I forgot what we were recording. <laughs> it's usually Vendera Vocal Academy. So this is my favorite, though. Really, I love this podcast. You would not believe how many people keep emailing me and say, wow, I found your stuff uh, because of the Sing Better Fast podcast. I got Raise Your Voice. I'm using it. Uh, Vendera Vocals. I joined Vendera Vocal Academy all because of Sing Better Fast podcast. Uh, That's good. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel good. So today, uh, we didn't have a podcast. Usually, we try to put them out every week. You guys don't know this. They just come out when they do. But because of me, we missed a week because I was out on tour with a band called I Prevail. And we were actually going to try to do a podcast from the road. Well, let me tell you, uh, it's not that Brian wasn't up for it. It's just that band is so incredibly busy. I mean, even on their day off, the guitarist Steve, Steve and Brian and Eric are really the, the creators of the band and Steve and Brian do all the work, the marketing and uh, well, I mean, Eric does too. He does a lot of posts, and a lot of interviews, but I remember on the day off, Steve just going to town, setting up another gig dates and they were scheduling a, uh, a new music video, which they actually just shot. Uh, they had a day off and they were in Boston, I believe. And they uh, had the day off and they actually set this all up. They had a whole crowd there and boom, they put it out. So why am I even bringing this up? Because, wow, uh, I love all my students. I got a lot of hardworking students. But to see Brian Berkheiser actually apply everything I taught him and diligently. I mean, this man, uh, it blew my mind. I mean, he would wake up. He would grab his Vendera books, the Dr. Books pocket books bottle. He would do 15 minutes with my uh, voice RX warm up. Uh, he'd take, he'd drink protein. He would eat healthy chicken salads. He didn't eat any fried foods, not a lot of bread. He would go into his isolation exercises. And before a show, he'd do it all again. I mean, he'd do vocal stress release. And so this was like a, uh, it isn't like a nine to five job. I mean, it was like you wake up in the morning and you're not done till two in the morning. Uh, and you're just going at it and making sure your voice stays in shape. Why does, why does he work that hard? Should everyone work that hard on the road? Well, I believe so. I mean, I believe it should take care of your voice. Everybody's different. Uh, in Brian's case, kind of like me, he had an accident. His uh, mine was nerves and his is uh, actual vocal cord. He had polyps. He blew out his voice and he had to have surgery. So big fear there. But the amazing thing is, He's nailing it. He's nailing it every night. He's hitting notes higher than he did on uh, the last album that they put out on Lifelines. So uh, what did I notice on the road? Um, well, you're a singer. You're a singer 24-7. And I even say this and raise your voice. You may be a construction worker. You may be a, a school teacher. You may be uh, whatever it is you could be. You may be a policeman. Uh, you, when people refer to you, uh, you say, what are you? You say, I'm a singer. Oh, is that what you do? Do you do anything else? Oh, well, I'm also a policeman. You know, that's how I make my living. You know, that's how I make my living now. But I'm a singer. I'm a singer 24-7. You go to work here, uh, which my wife was a school teacher for a minute. So it's more than eight hours. You come home and do it. But generally, 
you go to sleep and you let go of your job and you're just you. And then you wake up and go to your job. Then you're a school teacher again. With a singer, it's everything. You, you sleep as a singer. You eat as a singer. You breathe as a singer. You got to watch how you go to sleep and make sure you get the right amount of uh, uh, hours for rest. Uh, make sure that you're, you got humidity uh, in your vocal cords and your lungs like using a little mister. Um, so you have to think that way. And that's, that's what I instilled upon Brian. And I'm, I'm really proud of him. Now, being on the road, it gives me a chance to really uh, diagnose a singer. And if you are in Vendera Vocal Academy, you know that you can send me song critiques or video critiques. And I can do that snapshot in time, that three, four minute clip. But being on the road and being able to watch every song, the interaction with the crowd, with the band, how you're approaching singing and take down notes for every song is another animal in and of itself. And I would do that uh, most every night. You know, the first night I kind of evaluate him, leave it loose, and then I start really nitpicking. And then we talk about it the next day as we're exercising, and he starts working on fixing those. And Brian's big thing, and he asked me, and I'm sure he's cool with me telling you this, is his breathing. And funny enough, that's how I became his permanent vocal coach. Um, I had a le Skype lesson with him back in November. They booked two, and he went to a couple other coaches. And uh, these coaches didn't really diagnose what was going on with him. The first thing I saw as soon as he was singing was his breathing. And I see it with so many singers, the way they breathe. They're not breathing with lower abdominal breathing. They're raising their shoulders and puffing out their chest with what, with what is called uh, chest breathing. You know, it's where we limit the amount of air that can come into your chest. So you don't have a full tank of uh, gas to support the vocal cords to produce that energy uh, to make a sound. So as soon as you raise your shoulders, your neck muscles are tight, your throat's tight. You don't have enough air to, uh, for your voice. So we have to learn to breathe low where the belly sticks out. Like, um, and I'm kind of rushing through this. Uh, we've talked about this before. It's in my books, it's in the school, but it's baby breathing. You have a sibling, you have a you know a son or daughter, they're in their crib when they're breathing. When they inhale, their little bellies rise. When they exhale, uh, the bellies drop. So Brian wasn't doing that. He was every song he would raise his shoulders. Uh, ironically, he was uh, he was hitting the notes. They sometimes they were a little under, and I, I cut all this. And he uh, and I prevail. They scream, they rap, and Brian does a lot. Uh, Brian does a lot of rapping. And here's the weird thing: <laughs> when he'd go to rap, I'm telling you what. Everything was in perfect pitch. It was in the pocket. It sounded powerful. He never raised his shoulders. So for me, um, somebody said to me the other day, it's almost like you're, like you're a vocal uh, mind therapist, or they put it something like that. And it's true. And I told him, I said, you know what? When you rap, you're not in the singer's mindset. You're like, I'm just rapping. I don't even think about it. I'm not thinking about all the stuff he taught me. Boom. He's naturally there. He has it. As soon as he would go to singing, uh, his shoulders would race, but we're, we're working on that. He's already correcting it. And um, a couple times we had a, we had a rough time. I actually put this in our, our newsletter for the VBA members. Uh, they wanted me to sing with them. And I sent, I sang in rehearsals, but my monitor pack kept going out. It was weird. It was really screwed up. And I think they thought I was crazy. And I said, no, this, this isn't working. Something's wrong. So I skipped it and uh, it started happening to Brian. And one, uh, at one festival, he ran over, the pack completely went out. He couldn't hear anything. And if you've ever been to a big concert, you know, there's a ton of speakers on the stage up front, uh, really loud. 
But on stage, you have to use in-air monitors because you don't have any little floor monitors. And if you didn't have in-airs, you would hear what's out front. And that is kind of a delay. There's a little bit of delay of what you, you're hearing in your ears and what's actually coming out. So he lost it. And he couldn't focus on what's out front. It would have messed him up. And they couldn't fix this pack. So they had another spare. They were fixing it. And I was using it. They took it from me. They gave it to him. He had to start singing. And I'm like, oh, crud. So he's right beside me. I start pounding on his back and beat. I'm watching Gabe, the drummer, in time. Dun, dun. And he starts singing. As I nod, and he just takes off and starts singing. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a freaking commercial. It was perfect. He was, from what I heard out front, even though it was delayed, his intonation was dead on. His phrasing was dead on. It was beautiful. And I know afterwards they laughed about it. I was like, man, that's crazy. Vendera saved me just by tapping on my back in time. So... Um, what did I do for Brian? How will you fix this breathing? Well, you just got to be more conscious about it. You know, when it, singers, when you're out there on stage, I really don't want you thinking about this stuff. You should be doing it when you're practicing, you know, when you're doing your isolation exercises and your vocal scales, you should be making sure your shoulders aren't rising, your belly's coming out as you're breathing, inhaling. Uh, and when you hit the stage, you should just do your thing. However, sometimes it's all right to be conscious of it. If you're feeling winded, uh, or if you feel like you're a little bit under, it's all right to take a momentary snapshot of your performance and think, am I breathing right? Am I supporting? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we still have to strengthen the way that you breathe and the way you sustain those notes so you don't run out of breath. So what we did, uh, we just had a hangout for Vendera Vocal Academy the other night. And I was telling them that uh, after Brian and I had the first assessment, I said, you know what? We're going to start my ultimate breathing workout which at its core is uh, nine basic exercises. There is advanced exercises, but those are the ones uh, that I started back in 1990 or 91. And I haven't done them forever. I mean, and it's crazy. So we're going to do them together. And we started, and uh, I got to admit, I'm saying this to Brian here, I beat him every time, <laughs> but not by much. You would think, hey, I did this program. I was able to hold my, note, uh, my breath for four or five minutes. You think, I'd be right there. You're not a breathing workout like that to make sure that you're breathing correctly. Your shoulders aren't raising. You're learning to minimize how much breath you release. Uh, it's something you have to do every day. And or at least I suggest for my students to work on breathing at least three solid months and then you can take a break. You take a little bit of time off and then come back to it again. So we started it. Uh, we did it uh, three or four days that week. And I, I could see in that short amount of time, I could see substantial differences in his voice. He was, he was more in the pocket. Uh, he, he was pretty solid. So why am I bringing this up? Well, if you're in Vendera Vocal Academy and you don't own the book, well, I cover it. Uh, we have uh, the Vokes 101 classes where I read through the book. We break it all down. Well, we have them in there. If you own the Ultimate Breathing Workout book, there you go. If you're not a book person, uh, we've also created Beyond the Ultimate Breathing Workout video. So I walk you right through those exercises, and we did it in a, a really kind of comical, dorky way to make it fun. So you can check out that video. All that stuff's on jamievendera.com. Uh, but bottom line, uh, touring, gigging, playing in church choir, all this requires that you be a singer 24-7. You got to do it. You know, and if, if the gig is more high profile, like if you're, I prevail and you're playing for 20, 30,000 people, then yes, they expect the best quality you have to be on. And for those that are curious about the other guys in the band, yes, 
Eric the Screamer and Dylan, uh, their backing singer, uh, they both worked out with me too <laughs> because it's that important. I don't care if you're screaming or singing country or pop or rock and metal, whatever you're doing or rapping because, oh, another fun fact, I know I'm talking a lot, their opening act is Justin Stone, really, really cool rapper. Well, guess what? Jess is my student too. <laughs> He's been my student for many, many months. So it was great for me to know that I had four students that uh, I get to watch perform every night and I knew that they were applying these techniques. If you want to be to be, be to, I'm so excited I can't even talk. If you want to be a better singer, you got to do this. If you want to sing better fast, you got to do this. You got to put in the time. <sighs> All right, I'll take a breath. <laughs> All right, my turn. So um, I was, I like to read Reddit. It's one of my favorite uh, websites. It's kind of like a kind of like a forum in in a way. It's uh, anyway. There's a lot of interesting conversations in there. So one of them was a question: Hey, people with interesting hobbies, what do you do and why? And so someone commented that said that uh, this person does free diving, where he or she will dive into the you know into a lake into whatever and be five underwater without an air tank for five to seven minutes at a time uh just holding their breath um and so like that sounds crazy right like how do you last seven minutes underwater without breathing and so this person responded and said basically that whenever you're holding your breath there comes a point where you start to feel like oh no i need to breathe right? So uh, this person calls it the, the CO2 panic. And this person says that you only, you, you start to feel that around a third of the way through your breath. You can hold your breath for like two to three times the duration that most people think you can. And I read that and I thought, huh, that's really interesting. I never, I didn't know that. I'd never thought about that. So I decided, um, and Jamie, I don't think I told you this, but I was doing falsetto slides with my pocket books. And I thought about that. I was like, huh, I wonder how long I can hold a note doing my, well, I wasn't holding a note. I was sliding up and down um, from C4 to G4 over and over because I'm working on that part of my range uh, to smooth out uh, everything. And I went 80 seconds wow. over that. Uh, and I, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I just barely told Jamie this. And I was like, whoa, that really wasn't that bad. So I went, uh, at the first time I went, I did 60 seconds, then I did 70 seconds and 75, then 80 seconds. And then I was kind of like tired at that point because I'd been doing it for like 15 minutes or something. But, uh, you know, for me, it was that, oh, that, that point when you think you're running out of breath. Yeah, no, you're only halfway done or you're only a third of the way done. Um, and I mean, this is from someone who dives underwater for five to seven minutes at a time without a tank. Like, huh, that's interesting. So I decided to give that a go. Now, uh, you know, disclaimer, I am not recommending you jump in the water and hold your breath for five minutes <laughs> if you haven't trained it. Um, you know, I'm not a scuba instructor or whatever, but I just thought it was an interesting, uh, an interesting idea. So I just decided, hell, oh, let's try it. So, um, so yeah, I, I decided to try it. Now here's, and this kind of loops back to something it reminds me of a two-on-two -two lesson we did with, uh, I forget which of our students. Um, one of the things I believe, Jamie, you had him do was just count numbers, which is one of your ultimate breathing workout exercises. Just count numbers, one, two, three, four, and just, or ABC, I think it was, 
and just go as long as you can without breathing. And it, that can kind of, I think to people who don't, who don't think about it, it sounds like, well, why does this have to do with singing? Um, <laughs> that was a lot. But, right. But so what it does is it makes you really, really efficient with your air use. Like if you can sing a note for 20 seconds, but then later you can sing it for 80 seconds with the same amount of breath, then you're using way less breath per second. And yeah, that means a, a quarter of the breath you, you, and you didn't build bigger lungs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, go to the, you know, go to, go to Thailand and get lung extensions. <laughs> um, you know, um, but, but you just get more efficient with it. And, uh, you know, the more efficient you are with your air, the longer you can hold notes, uh, and the, you know, the less you'll run out of air and the less air you use, then the less your voice, you know, your throat will dry out. And so just, it's all around better to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea behind vocal efficiency. Well, I love that what you did with the falsetto slides. I've never done it like that. I never timed it, but you know, we talk about like super sirens. And I have a lot of students, I'll be like, okay, we're going to do sirens and full voice. We're sliding up and back down, like from C3 to C4 or whatever it be. And you can do it one time. Ah. Or I say, hey, do it over and over and over again till you hate my guts. I, I want it to burn your stomach and your back muscles. That is a, it is a conscious fear of the uncomfort because it does reach that point. Like when you're holding your breath for something, you're like, oh, I can't do it anymore. Yes, you can. It's just that that fear of the uncomfortable feeling. You're not gonna you're not gonna die. You're gonna be fine. So I've had students, and maybe we didn't we didn't time it like you did, but maybe they did a siren and they did seven uh, complete sirens sliding up and back down as one, up and back down as two, and they do seven, and they were pretty good. And I'm like, okay, now you feel everything burning when you get to number seven. They're like, yeah, okay. Now when you get to number seven and you are out of breath and you can't do it anymore, I need you to do one more siren. And they look at me like, are you stupid? But you know what? Just about every student always makes it to eight. You know, that's funny because I don't know if you remember this, but actually you did that to me on our first lesson. I don't uh, remember. Yeah. That was, like, me... that was like 8,962 lessons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, what, that's what you had me do. You had me doing sirens. And so I think I started at five and then, and then I got to seven and then you tried to push me to eight and I was like, it was hard, you know, and I started running out of air at the very end there. But that's okay. Uh, but you got yeah. from five to seven. Yeah, so that's um, two jump. That's great. Yeah. So um, I think I don't know. I think for me personally, kind of my outlook on singing, it's so much about just efficiency. Just use less air, keep the resonance and the sound and the strength, and the less air, the better. Pretty much. I mean, unless you want a breathy sound and you're adding more on purpose or whatever. Uh, it's less air. Um, I've had somebody in the past say, oh, Jamie uses brute force. And that's, it just shows me that they never, ever, ever study this technique or know what they're talking about because it's not power and volume that like I use to shatter glass is not about massive amounts of air. It's about air efficiency. And I, I remember, uh, I, I feel like a broken record because you know these stories, but I remember my first show, Good Morning America, and uh, we were breaking a glass using amplification for that show. So it took me, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 seconds for the glass to break. And I remember Adam Savage afterwards, he's just smiling, screaming. He grabs me, hugs me. He's like, dude, that was so awesome. And the cool thing is you were almost out of breath. And I looked at him and it wasn't an ego thing. I said, uh, 
Adam, I, I could have held that note out another 30 seconds or so. And uh, he kind of looked at me funny, but it's true. It was air efficiency. You know, we don't, if, if you want to save your voice and like, if I've ran into people, I'm not a doctor, so I can't claim I, I to reverse nodules or anything like that. Uh, but as coaches, uh, you know, we've worked with singers that have nodules. And the one thing I've noticed, personally noticed, is when a singer has developed nodules, it is poor technique. It's it's using too much breath, not the correct support. And so that's one of the first things I'll tackle. You know, okay, well, how's your breathing? And that's probably what happened with Brian. I think that he was exhausting all of his uh, his air fuel to power these these upper notes in his range. But now he's discovering, even though he's still chest breathing somewhat, he's so much farther along on the path. He's turning his voice around. If you heard, if you heard trauma, I mean, I told him, and I said, I hope you're not mad. I said, but I've listened to lifelines. I listened to trauma. Trauma to me is so much better than lifelines. I mean, your voice sounds even more powerful and higher, and, and Eric's screaming, uh, you know, dirtier. It's just really cool. But uh, that's what it is. You, if you learn to control and release that air, you're not going to have to barrel it out to hit those high notes. You're going to find a way to do it. And yeah, if you don't have anything to add, I know that we missed a couple questions from one of our students. Do any of you ever use the mask Vokes, which is a tool from drvokes.com. It's in the Vendera Vokes trainer. And it's just a mask you put on your face. It's got a little hole in it. And you can put the tip of your pocket Vokes in it. And so instead of using the pocket Vokes, and I don't have mine down here, where it's just like, like you're bubbling, uh, you can't really sing a song because your lips are around that straw, uh, rubber straw tube. However, if you add a mask to it, then you can articulate. You can sing your songs. So does anyone use it? Well, I'll let Benny start because he actually turned me on to it. I never thought about using it without the pocket books, but Benny? Yeah, so the mask books, um, it's essentially, it's, uh, it's a rubber thing you kind of put over your mouth, and then there's a small opening at the end, and uh, you're supposed to hook it up to the uh, pocket books or doctor books, and so it's semi-occluded vocal tract exercise uh, using water for back pressure. And so I thought, hmm, how about I just use the mask by itself and see what that does? Um, and so that's what I did. And so the idea for me was um, it's kind of, it's halfway between using the water and using nothing. So it's sort of like a stepping stone in a sense. Like if it's easy to sing the note using water, uh, using the mask vokes or doctor, or sorry, the doctor vokes, pocket vokes, then, but it's not while not using it, then maybe if I use the mask vokes, it'll kind of, you know, be the bridge in between the two. Um, so I decided to try it, you know, just to see how, how it worked. And the difference is very slight from using nothing to using the mask. Uh, it's a very uh, slight difference. But what I did notice for me is that it, uh, you know, I have to focus so much more on resonance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so as a result of that, it's just, it's just easier. So I sing with that for a while, then I take it off and it's, my voice feels amazing. So uh, I'm a big fan of doing that. And yeah. I think it's, I a, kinda, it's a good thing to do. I kind of laughed when you said you was doing that. And then I, I thought, what the hell, I was uh, running on my treadmill. I, thought, I was just laying there. I thought, I want to try this. I put it on and it was a beast, man. I mean, it's, especially since we're talking about breathing, it will really make you work on your breathing. But what I like to do is uh, I'll take a lax folks tube, just a long straw, like a 14 inch straw. And I put it in the end. So I got my mask folks. So when I got this 14 inch straw hanging and sing through that, 
you talk about rough, like it's real, you really have to focus on your breathing. Like you said, your resonance. And because I, when I do it that way, I, I actually, I'm not saying it's to scare anyone. This is just me. And honestly, it's more a reflection of the fact that I have nerve damage. And so I have a lot of pain, and a lot of muscular tension uh, from my accident, but it makes me focus so much. And I was talking to Ryan Wall, one of our other uh, BBA coaches last night. And I said, dude, I was singing simple songs like always my Bon Jovi. I said, and I used to sing this at weddings. Like it was nothing. And I said, using that mask, folks, uh, it kicked my butt. I mean, it was hard to stabilize, but then you take it off. I was going somewhere in the car, and it was just clear as a bell. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm finding my way back through my injury. Um, so uh, I suggest you use it. I mean, it's better than nothing. It also, it's great for, and we discovered this, and Dr. Vokes didn't even realize this, for lowering your decibel level. And I like to give props where props are due. So there is that pro, uh, product belt, uh, what it called belt box. Yeah, belt your face off. And I've mentioned this before. The first one I hated. It was um, felt. You get got it wet and sticky. And they made a new one. It's really really cool. It really is. So I have no problem with any of you use it. But in my, uh, I got them both. I'm like, well, I don't even need it because I have the mask, folks. I can put that on my face. And bam, my decibel level goes way down. So, you know, if I'm in an apartment singing or whatever, a hotel singing, um, nobody will really hear me that loud in the next room. And I feel confident. You know, you're like, okay, I can do, I can do my vocal workout. Jim Gillespie teaching me SOVT exercises since like 1990. Uh, lip bubbles, hums, mm, anything that blocks uh, the pure sound coming from a wide open mouth is a semi-occluded vocal track, which means you're just closing off how the sound leaves, and that sound is a product, it's a mass, you know, a mass of excited air, and it will have to go somewhere. So it will actually fill up your mouth and travel back down your throat, so it'll fill up that space of a uh, uh, negative air uh, space, because like when you're singing, uh, if we look at air and it has a number, like a one is like the less air and 10 is uh, the most air. Underneath your vocal cords, it may be a 10. And above the vocal cords may only be a two. There's not enough air above the vocal cords. So that's why they vibrate and it comes out, the air fills up that negative space up above. So we can go up to 10. So when you're doing SOVT, it's coming back down and maybe it changes that two to an eight. That's kind of a loose analogy. It really ain't how it is, but you know, that's what it's doing. That's why it makes it so much easier for you to sing because that air pressure is equalized above and below the cords. So the force to the muscular force to maintain uh, the adduction, the, the position of the cords to make that frequency, uh, it's so much easier to do. It's so much less work on the medial muscles. So you don't, uh, you don't strain. Uh, you don't have to feel like you got to really push or force to make those notes happen. So uh, any of these work, but just using the mask, using the pocket folks, it's, it's all very important. But my point was uh, if people got on SOVT exercises like crazy. And then it's funny, uh, Dr. Denizogo released the mask folks. And I swear to you, it's been out, what, two or three years now? All of a sudden, I'm seeing this all over the internet. It's like, oh, well, you need to use a coffee cup and you put a hole in the bottom and you can use that for SOVT. Oh, you need to use a mask that you, a full face mask that you use for sleep apnea. And so I've seen all these people do this now and I'm kind of giggling. <laughs> like, I'm happy because everyone's discovering it, but it's like, oh, here I discovered something new. No, it's been around forever. Yeah. You know, all this stuff has been around forever. The uh, the mask with the straw in it. I think I did that actually on one of our two on two lessons uh, with, with one of our uh, 
students. And uh, yeah, I mean, it works. I love doing that. Um, I think anything singers can do to just become more efficient, you know, the better. Um, and it's, it's such an, uh, an underrated, overlooked aspect of singing by a lot of people. And it makes me quite sad because there are some people, I'm not going to say any names, but there are many singers who I have loved their music. But over time, just from, you know, touring or maybe smoking or, you know, overusing the voice that, you know, vocal quality starts to uh, not be as good as it once was. And it makes me very sad to hear that. So I hope we can save some voices. Ben, I hope so, too. So, um, it was funny. Uh, two of my really well-known rock singing uh, icon friends actually uh, <laughs> both were texting me in this last week and said, hey, did you see so-and-so's performance? I was like, no. And they said, oh, man, we got to figure out how to get you with this person. Um, and I'll never say names, but um, I guess they had some really bad performances, having trouble hitting the notes. Aww. And I, I know it breaks my heart because I, I love this person's voice. I'm like, ah, if I could just get a Vokes in their hand and spend even 15 minutes with them, um, I know that they would start to rebalance their voice. But And that's not an ego thing for me. It's the fact that the tool works i mean ben could teach them ryan could teach them anyone who's who's uh, you know worked with uh, uh, dr dennis oglu and knows this methodology uh, could do it working on okay so is it right to think of the song stand alive bgs think east cream and kiss prince think of it as falsetto like in tiny falsetto like in isolation exercises yeah, and you know what? Um, I want to make you guys do some homework. So here's what I want to say. Yes, uh, BGS is more uh, – it is a falsetto. It's a blend. It's almost a pharyngeal voice. If you don't know what that means, then get your book, Raise Your Voice Open, or hop back into school because I, there's, I got tons of audio examples there. I want you to listen to them so you know. Uh, pharyngeal is a, is a brighter – tone there's there's a to me i may be wrong because i'm not i haven't you know filmed this but it seems like the adduction of the chords is just a little narrower uh where you know in falsetto I always say in the book raise your voice it's wide and it, it is but i mean the upper edges are touching in falsetto and it's the depth of the chords that are kind of spread out and full voice it's they're pretty close together from top to bottom friends you would say it's about halfway it's uh you know it's um so you would understand if you get in a book. E screams is an exercise taught to me by Jim Gillette. It's if you heard me break glass, that's an E scream. You know, I'm going from E to U. And it's more of a, it's not pure falsetto, it's a pharyngeal tone. So that is kind of what BGs are doing. They're putting a lot of energy behind it to make that sound. Um, uh, I'm thinking of uh, some older singers. Uh, Valley, Frankie Valley used to do the same thing. Uh, Prince does it in some songs in certain spots, but Kiss, yeah, it's just a it's a lighter uh, falsetto. He's not as um, energetic. He doesn't have as much as the bright frequencies as the Bee Gees do. Uh, but still, it's all the same thing. It's it's varying degrees of falsetto. It's like when we teach in the Extreme Scream series. I'm like grit is grit is grit is grit is grit, and I <laughs> I've seen somebody was putting out a program or something's like, ah, oh, I love Jamie Vendera's program, but he didn't really explain it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You're going to go in and talk about cricothyroids and blah, 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 blah. You don't need it. Grit is grit is grit is grit is grit. Falsetto is falsetto. If you do the basic exercises, there's no sense in muddying it up with throwing 500 terms at a student to confuse them. Just show them the sound 
explain the basis of how it's done, and uh, then you'll be able to practice and create the tone. So Torgair, even when you're doing that, the E screams are still important. It's just like the transcending tone. And, and uh, if, you, if you started an E scream, that initial start, uh, just a little more energy, that'll be the print sound. And by the time you come, come to a full E scream, where it's really bright, like the glass breaking, then yeah, that would be more of a BG's tone. So again, I didn't have to tell you that you had to tilt your epiglottic sphincter and blah, 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 blah. You just have to do the exercise and play around with it. And in the end, we're not trying to teach you to sound like the Bee Gees or sound like Prince. I'm not into that. So pay the song homage. Um, you know, get as close to the tone as you can, as long as it's comfortable and doesn't hurt your voice at this point in time. And bam, you'll do just fine. Yeah, that reminds me of something Ryan Wall said. Uh, Might have been in one of our podcast episodes. He said, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to, I'm paraphrasing, um, you know, sing the same songs as your favorite singers, but the chances that you're going to sound exactly like them are not very good because there's difference in physiology. There's, you know, difference in perhaps length of the vocal track. Maybe the vocal cords are a little longer or shorter or thicker or thinner. And then you have the resonating uh, areas in the head and the chest. And so there's all these physical differences that for the most part, (laughs) you can't really change them. Um, but if there's a song where the singer is singing in uh, singing a really high note in full voice, you can also sing a high note in full voice. You can sing the same high note in full voice. You, you might not sound exactly like that person, but you can do the same thing physically that they're doing. If they're screaming, you know, the scream might not sound identical, but you can get pretty close and you can do it safely, you know. And so that was basically the message that Ryan gave that you can you can sound you can you can do the same thing physically and it might not sound the same but that's okay because we're all different people and you know and also your favorite singer their favorite singer probably isn't themselves it's it's someone else that they cannot sound like exactly exactly you know i, I love steve perry and steve algeri and uh, I sang a lot of Journey tunes when I played in bar bands. I never, ever sounded like either of those guys. But it just wasn't my makeup. Uh, but it's ironic. There was a song out by um, Nickelback called it Figured You Out. And when it came out, we jumped right on it. We were doing it live. And I remember my cousin used to come watch me play. And then um, one time she came and she says, you know, I finally heard that song Figured You Out on the radio. And she says to me, and listen, she ain't one to show favoritism. It, w- it wasn't this. She's like, I, I don't. I prefer the way you sing it. I, I hear you in my mind because she never heard the original word. Did I do it better than him? Absolutely not. You know, I, I think I, I know all of your Nickelback sucks. I'm sorry. They're good songwriters. He has a unique voice. Uh, I dig it. I, I dug doing their songs, but I have sound nothing like him, but it was funny that uh, this woman said, you know, I, I, I don't like the radio version. I'm used to the way that you sing it because she heard me sing it nine or ten times before she actually heard the original version. So you do, you just get influenced and used to a sound. And then that's the way we are. That's why you became a singer. You know, you, you fell in love with some singer and you wanted to emulate them. And uh, you tried and tried and then it just kept spreading. And then you kind of found your own sound. So all right. All right. I think, I'm out, cool. I think I'm out of words. All right. Same. I just ran out. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into this podcast episode. Uh, be sure to check out if you haven't, if you don't already have it, the book, raise your voice, you can get it on Amazon where it has a ton of five-star reviews and it's 
one of my favorite books on singing and it's well worth the price. So if you don't, this isn't a, a sales pitch, it's an IQ test, go get it. It's not that expensive. <laughs> All right, so thanks everyone for tuning in to this podcast episode and we will see you in the next one. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sing Better Fast podcast. Be sure to subscribe for new podcast releases, events, and other great vocal resources at singbetterfast.com.